There are 35 days until <laughs> the 2022 midterm elections. And apparently, Governor Ron DeSantis, our Hades, never got the message that you do not wear white after Labor Day. With me today, resident expert nerd Avengers, joining me, Danielle Moody, Jen Taub. Uh, Jen, I want you to start with the boot thing because. Uh, <laughs> It's critically important to our chances well, of as, winning Florida in November. As, as folks know, I can't, you know, not you have a move in my life without tweeting it out. So I tested positive yesterday for COVID, but luckily yesterday evening finally got on the Paxlovid. And yes, I understand a lot of people think it's not necessary. Guess what? Always check with your own physician mm -hmm. or a medical provider. And I have asthma and whatever other reason based on me decided it would be good. And mm -hmm. uh, the good news is I'm not in excruciating pain and I'm sitting up talking to you, which is a huge improvement from where I was yesterday before I got the medicine. So anyway, but. Well, I just want to, I just, I'm not, I'm curious. I'm not entirely sure why you didn't take ivermectin. What's up with that? Yeah, I have a stable full of horses here. So I oh, have, okay. You know, they need it more than you do. Okay. <laughs> um, but you didn't whole, try wait. bleach or anything? You didn't do bleach? Or uh, I heard you know, that that don't, works too. Don't swallow bleach. Do not say, take ivermectin. Yeah. We're just kidding. Do what your doctor says. <laughs> per gento. This morning I decided that whatever I've been wearing for the last 24 hours needs to be changed. And so I put on some cozy pants. And that was, you can see my Hello Kitty <laughs> leggings. And when those were on and I saw that Rhonda Santis was walking around in mud boots that were white after Labor Day. First of all, what kind of waiters would be white? Like they None. None. Green. I mean, you're going through muck. But I thought that was so funny. And then I thought I did have these boots. You're you know, still wearing them. <laughs> and so I decided that how funny I should put them on and do a who wore, who wore it better. And I did that. I probably shouldn't have put it up, but you know, the fever is still here. So. Um, oh, that's good. Let's just blame the fever on everything. Well, I mean, I do have a slight fever, but or I always, blame everything on the fever. I should say. Yeah. Anyway. So there's that, but I'm glad I'm getting better. And I, the doctor said, you know, by the way, I've had five COVID vaccines. So mm -hmm. but the reason why you can still get COVID is, as he explained to me, the vaccines target a particular protein, which is probably the most dangerous or whatever one, mm -hmm. I don't know. And so, you know, in a way he had just gotten, it's going around my community. In some ways at this point, getting it, it's kind of like getting a flu or a cold. I mean, the, I'm about as bad as I, I'm not as bad as I am right now as when I've gotten really bad bronchitis, but it's, right. it's up there with a bad cold mm -hmm. and it's kind of a bad bronchitis. But the only reason why, as I said, I took the other medicine is because of the asthma. And I just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to die. Um, yeah. Yeah. Listen, um, first of all, this, this PSA has been brought to you by Pfizer <laughs> and Moderna. Um, listen, I, I also have uh, quite bad asthma. I will do anything in my power. <laughs> not to get this thing because I also worry about long COVID. Uh, I'm getting my third booster today after a week and a half of trying. Um, they ran out of doses. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, we're, we're totally pro vaccine on this show. Uh, and just a reminder that 400 Americans keep dying every day. So all due respect, actually no respect at all. Uh, I generally have a great deal of respect for President Biden, but not in this particular instance. COVID isn't over. 
Right. And um, by saying it is, uh, I think that we <clears throat> definitely um, tripped up the push to get the third booster. Uh, winter is coming. I don't mean to quote Game of Thrones, but winter is coming. Um, and people are going to be going inside. Uh, so, you know, uh, nothing's over. Yeah, I mean, I Get would say mask up. I mean, what my view yeah. is, there's this other thing is I have been pretty good until recently about saying, you know, is that an event I, I need to go to? And mm -hmm. if I'm around people I don't know, put a mask on. But I And I've been right. eating meals outside. If I ever go to a restaurant recently, I had several meals inside. And yeah. there's a lot of things I've done to take down my garden. I think it's important to balance. Um, and Mary, back to your thing about, you know, Ron DeSantis was out there for a photo op. It kind yep. of backfired. Um, but here's the thing. If we're if we're going to use Randy Rambo has just uh, joined the group. This is a point. Not sure why. Randy's welcome anytime, of course. But if we use though, images to draw attention, mm -hmm. it's okay. Then let's do this PSA thing. Like, in other words, yeah. you know, and I think that so I'm really glad that you're mentioning. I think it's yeah. important to think about masking up, really get yeah. the vaccine and get the flu shot, um, you know, and um and be smart, you know, just continue, I would say, continue being vigilant and get and, and don't listen to your your well-meaning friends who say things to you like, oh, I'm sure it's just a cold. You know, don't listen to anyone but your, your you know, your, yourself, your doctor or your other healthcare provider, um, you know. Test. Yes, a test yeah. is the real deal. I um, think we should listen to Aaron Rodgers and Joe Rogan. I think that those yeah. are the people that we listen to. I'm listen kidding. To well, Rogers. do not listen to them when it comes to medical on advice. The list, of course. Can, can um, I just say something real quick, Mary? I'm so happy that. Well, I'm ter I'm I'm not happy that Jen has COVID. Uh, yeah. I wish you uh, recovery. But I'm so happy that you're mentioning this because no one talks about COVID, even though it's an ongoing pandemic. Uh, uh, oh, I'm a little loud. Sorry. How's that? Well, that was in the private chat for a reason. But if you want to talk about it openly, we can. I was just trying to be polite. This, this, this is the this is the problem that Daniel knows this. Anything you say to me, I'm like, huh? I'm a little loud. Let me just. Daniel's like, no, no. It was, it was meant. Yeah, I'm like, it us. was it was just between us. Listen, listen. He's like Twitter. The strategy session with the Nerd Avengers. We are pulling the curtain, so you can uh, see behind. What as as Waj would say, how the meal was made. How the meal oh, was yes. made. <laughs> how the meal was made. So good. So Soledad O'Brien yesterday was like, how the sausage is cooked. And I'm like, how the meal is made? You mean don't you mean how the sausage is cooked? Uh, sausage is made? I'm like, I'm Muslim. Uh but real quick, <laughs> all I want to say is, you know, we have an immunosuppressed daughter. We have to be super careful. Uh, and I know not everyone cares because they don't have immunosuppressed people in their home. I get it. Uh, but I haven't gotten COVID yet. I don't even want a smidgen of COVID. I have nope. healthy friends to this day who work young, work out. They got a little bit of COVID. They're still dealing with it. As yep. Mary said, 400 people a day are dying. This new variant breaks through vaccines, as you've seen Jen right now, who's sick. Uh, the latest vaccine came out. Thank you, Mary, for getting it. I was going to get it. But, you know, same thing. I had to like I went in person. They're like, you have to do it online. I'm like, ah, yeah. crap. Uh, yeah. But please get it. And the fact that Joe Biden and the CDC, I mean, let's be honest, they really dropped the ball on this yep. when they fired their magic gun a year and a half ago, right before Delta and said, take yep. off the masks. Once you yep. did that, it was over. Uh, and now people don't wear masks. I mean, I've traveled a lot. 
Mary, like no one wears masks anywhere on the plane, on Amtrak. I'm like the only one. So it's incredible. It's the last thing I'll say is please get the vaccine. It just came out. Even if you got vaccinated, like look at Jen, for example. I'm glad Jen is making herself be the halal guinea pig for the rest of us. This latest variant and plus this flu that my entire family got. I got the flu vaccine. This flu is terrible. We've had it for like three and a half weeks. Please get the vaccine. That was my PSA. I just had to put it out there. And I want to thank you. For mentioning it because no one talks about COVID. Even yeah. It's an ongoing pandemic that has killed a million Americans. You know, I, I try, like I do quick hits once in a while and I update people that X number of people are still dying every day. That's almost every week, almost uh, as many people die from COVID as died on September 11th. I, this is still a crisis and like I get flagged on YouTube for mentioning COVID. I don't know why. So um, it is really important because as you know, none of us wants to get it. I've not had it yet. Plenty of people haven't had it yet. It is possible to do. I haven't. Well, I was going to say it's possible I, to do I, without I, I having no life. I, but after I, two and a half years, I got it on the Labor Day weekend, right? right? Like at an outside uh, a family gathering with a small group of family. And it was an outside um, yeah. event. And I got COVID for the first mm-hmm. time, like Jen, you know, at was able to work through, didn't go on any of the, um, the antivirals because my symptoms were not that bad and I don't have any pre-existing conditions, Mm -hmm. but I'll tell folks that like, yes, I agree with Jen. I agree with Wash. Like I continue to talk about it on my show. I continue to have doctors on to talk about it because I think that it's important. We're not talking about the implications of long COVID and how it's affecting people, how it's going to affect generations to come, how it's going to affect our workforce, people's ability to get disability, right? Because you're unable to work. Because in some cases, people have migraines that last two, three, four hours, can't look at screens, can't, you know, process information. It's a living virus that is moving around in our bodies. It's only been on the planet for two and a half years. And, and we so, don't understand long COVID at we all. Still don't, and we don't understand it because it's only been around for two and a half years. Right. So the implications that will come in, in five years, in 10 years, you know, matter. So continue to be safe and be as safe as possible. Get vaccinated. Get every friggin' new vaccine that comes out. Because as Wash said, every new variant, the vaccines that we have available are dealing with what is predominant, right? And so- Every new variant is going to require a new tweak to a vaccine. So the more that we can, you know, use what's readily available, the safer we will all be. And the longer this goes on, the more mutations there will be, the stronger the virus will get, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, to Waj's point earlier, please start giving a shit about your fellow human beings. I mean, I care if, yes, I don't want to get COVID, right? Of course I don't. But... I don't want to risk get, giving it to somebody else who might be immunocompromised or a child who's immunocompromised. I mean, that's the, that's, and you know, we don't have to keep going on about this because I probably most of our listeners are on board, but one of the most disturbing things, and I, I'm going to link this up to one of the things we're, other things we're going to talk about today um, is when this, this feeling of fellowship, uh, when civic responsibility just kind of dropped out of the conversation. And apparently it is now kind of um, considered pathetic, weak, or woke to give a shit about other people. 
Mm. It's just kind of stunning to me. And it's because so many people didn't, didn't care about themselves, didn't care about their children, their friends, their coworkers, et cetera, et cetera. We're still dealing with this two and two and a half years on. So uh, that just seems to be part and parcel of what we're seeing in uh, Republican politics, certainly. Uh, and, you know, in situations like Russia, too, I, I mean, and, and how that's impacting everything. We, we are living in an environment in which uh, the Supreme Court is hearing uh, the Merrill case and they are poised to take yet another sledgehammer to the Voting Rights Act and effectively end voting rights for black Americans. Mm. Um, we are living in a country now in which women are de facto and de jure second-class citizens. And in at least half of the states, that actually is having an impact on women's day-to-day lives. Um, we see women being denied access to health care, which is what abortion is. Uh, we're seeing children who are victims of incest and rape being denied access to health care. On and on and on and on. And yet, oh, and all of, all of this, by the way, is the result of one party gerrymandering, cheating, lying, and stealing. And yet, we are five weeks out from an election. They may well win... Because we have no, we don't care anymore about being good citizens or citizens of this country, citizens of the world. Gas prices are high. Yeah, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> you know, there's a war, an, an illegal war being waged against mm-hmm. one of our allies, which is probably like one of the, you know, if the domino of Ukrainian democracy falls, we're in a world of hurt. So, I mean, it's kind of, it should, we should be thinking it's a small price to pay, or we should be working together to figure out ways to mitigate the impact on Americans who do suffer when gas goes up 10 cents a gallon, right? So you feel entitled though, when you have a a lot of people who feel that they are entitled, no matter what, then you're not going to find empathy. You're going to find tribalism. And that's the problem with the Republican party. No, the problem is that, 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 that has been it's a weird word to use in this context, but that those qualities have been nurtured. Those qualities have been focused on and those qualities are compulsory now if you want to be successful in in the the Republican Party. Party. So it makes me wonder, and um, Waj, I'll start with you. You know, we very often talk about, uh, you know, not, not, well, people talk about the people in the middle. I don't, you know, the independents. I don't think they exist really. But we talk about blocks of voters who can swing elections, right? Uh, and I think suburban white women have been a predominant group in the last few election cycles. So is the economy and the ways in which the right lies about quote unquote law and order, the most lawless Republican party in modern history. Like is that's more important to them than their daughter's bodily autonomy. Uh, That's more important to them 
then uh, gun safety. I'm I'm having a really tough time. Uh, so we have to look this. at history and we have to look at trends and we have to look at the data. And what I'm about to say right now always gets me exquisite hate mail. <laughs> and I know it gets me hated from a lot of suburban white moms. So just bear with me. Yeah. It's not all white moms. It's not all suburban whites. We love the whites. Some of my favorite whites are moderate suburban whites. Some of my favorite but whites. His, historically, historically, we thank you, by the way. Yeah, Cliff, Cliff is my favorite white. Uh, second is Mary. Then uh, I'm not suburban. How dare you? Only because Cliff is from the Rust Belt, and we all know he's the real American. Uh, I'm from New York, though, so I'm that guy who's in the diner every time the Republic, right. the, the, the New York Times comes out here. I'm in every one of those diners, just so you know. I'm from New York City, so I don't count. Yeah, you so. don't count. Yeah, you're not real. Uh, so the data shows that since the 1950s, white women have predominantly voted for Republican candidates, especially when it comes to Republican presidential candidates, except two times. One time for Clinton and Lyndon B. Johnson. Right. White women, slim majority, white women in the who are listening and watching this right now, I see in the comments, not all, but a majority of white women voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. After four years of vulgarity, misogyny, homophobia, racism, criminality, what Cruelty. happened in 2000? More white women voted That's for right. Trump, and it was actually white suburban dads, their partners, who went for Biden. Yep. It, the, the phenomenon, and, and oftentimes, uh, you know, people are trying to figure out why this has happened. There's been much data on this, is that white women have oftentimes been segregation's constant gardeners, a fantastic metaphor written by uh, an mm -hmm. author, right? That yep. they have chosen whiteness and the protection of white supremacy and patriarchy because they believe that aligning themselves with that power is better for them, mm -hmm. their children, their sons, and their husbands in the long run. So yep. they are the cultural validators of patriarchy. The Equal Rights Amendment was killed thanks to women. Yep. You know, Phyllis, uh, uh, how do you pronounce her? Schlafly. Yeah, whatever. Just call just her. Say the, just bad, say, say the bad word. It's okay. Yeah. She's an yeah, asshole. Yeah. So, so that, that coming to your point, Mary, uh, even in Virginia right here, I've been warning about this for like years that I knew Yunkin was going to win based on the CRT scare. I'm like, white women yep. and suburban women are going to go for Yunkin. And people are like, oh, you're crazy, Waj. No, he's got this. McAuliffe's got this. So what we're witnessing right now is a historic trend, ladies and gentlemen, where a slim majority of white women vote against their own rights, yep. their own daughter's rights, and against the liberty and dignity of people of color because they believe aligning themselves with power is in their best interest. Mm -hmm. Now, with abortion, the hope is, and I'm, I'm going to be slightly skeptical when it comes to these suburban women, white women, mm -hmm. the hope is that this is the first generation of women who will have less rights than the previous generation. Mm -hmm. And maybe by seeing the Supreme Court, these regressive extremists wearing black robes, taking away their rights and signaling, oh, we're also going to take away contraceptives and marriage equality, take them literally and seriously. Will that shift even 2 to 3%, Mary, of these women to do the right thing? Now, just the way the electoral, electoral colleges, the malapportioned Senate, gerrymandering, as you mentioned, that small shift of the independents, the undecided, and 2% of white women, that could be the election yep. right there. Yep. And so it's turnout. For the Democrats, plus winning enough of these, just a slim, slim uh, slice of these independents or suburban white women, and then you could win. And for people of color, last thing I'll say, and, and this might hit hard for some folks, especially white women, what we've always said is, will enough white people do the less crazy thing in America? Will enough white people choose the less crazy self-destructive path? There's only so much that we can do. White folks, you got to do something too. 
And so if you're white and you're listening right now, talk to your family, like at, at these, you know, on the WhatsApps, at the dinner tables, <laughs> convince just a couple of them. And if that creates a ripple effect nationally, you can win the House and you can win the Senate. Mm-hmm. I, I do not mean to offend white folks, but you asked me, Mary, I had to be honest. I, listen, if, if, I if you're a white person, white I do too. <laughs> I totally do. Because I'm, like, listen, I'm so confused. If you're offended by that, you're part of the fucking problem, right? Yes. So look exactly. in the mirror. Like most of us, I don't always make the best food choices. When I was a kid, I was always told to eat my fruits and vegetables. And though I tried, uh, there was always, you know, sugar cereal or candy bars or cookies around too. Even as a mom, it, it was a challenge because even though I tried really hard to cook healthy meals, there were always play dates, right? With lots of snacks that weren't necessarily healthy. Let's face it, there's zero chance that most of us are eating the doctor-recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables every day. That's why I started taking Field of Greens. Field of Greens is powered with a full spectrum of essential vitamins and fruits, plus it has science-backed herbs and prebiotics, which is exactly what I need to stay healthy. Plus, Field of Greens works fast. You'll have more energy, you'll feel healthier, your skin will look healthier, and it could also help you lose weight. We're heading into winter now, and it's getting cold, it's getting rainy, it's cloudy, it's hard to have a lot of energy, and it helps to have a supplement as high quality as Field of Greens to help you increase your energy and feel confident that what you're putting in your body is actually good for you. It's clear that simple back-to-the-basics nutrition is the answer to feeling great every day. Field of Greens is simple nutrition with results so powerful that if you take it consistently, you will absolutely feel the results as I did. So join me and take Field of Greens too. And to help you get started, I got you 15% off your first order and another 10% off when you subscribe. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MARY. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Mary, or look for the link in the show notes. Charlotte, the other thing that also continues to be troubling is the extent to which it seems for Republicans, uh, the, the impetus for supporting a candidate is that they be as, as horrible as, as possible. We know that Herschel Walker is an abusive, violent liar uh, who, and this, I mean, I, I couldn't care less that the guy paid for an abortion for a woman he impregnated. I care about the fact that he's totally anti-choice. And we have Oz, uh, what's his name in New in New Jersey, running oh, for Mehmet, governor of Mehmet Pennsylvania. Oz, killing puppies. Mehmet Oz, yes. He <clears throat> apparently uh, kills puppies. And probably worst of all, Ron DeSantis is wearing white boots after Labor Day when uh, white, <laughs> white, uh, ra- they don't, they don't even exist, do they? I white He's part of boots, the lollipop guild. Anyway, yeah. So, so Charlotte, um, what, 
what is the argument at this point? We've got, we've got five weeks. Is it really just some people want as much cruelty and bullying as possible because they've bought into this bullshit about the danger of wokeness or something? I think it's been clear for many years now that the attraction that the Republican base has to these leaders is that they give them permission to engage in their worst impulses. That's it. That's all it's about. You know, they they don't support Trump because of some value system. They support Trump because he gives them permission to not give a shit about anyone else. Because for a long time, you know, the center of American politics, American government and, and gravity has been the presidency. The presidency is supposed to set the example. Conservative or progressive, there's supposed to be a value system in the White House, some kind of proactive ideology moving something towards something else. And with Trump, you have the complete opposite. You don't have a value system. The only point of his presidency is it's okay to be cruel. It's okay to not care about others. It's okay to be selfish and self-centered, which I think is the biggest one, by the way, more Mm -hmm. than anything else. It's selfishness and self-centeredness. And on the other hand we have Democrats articulating a path forward, articulating um, you know, a vision for America that doesn't leave anybody behind, that brings people together, regardless of who they are and regardless of their ideology. You know, the message of Democrats needs to be for the next five weeks, look at what they're trying to take away and what, look at what we're fighting for. Yeah. And that's all it comes down to. If they do that, we're going to win. We will in a landslide. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I do think that it it is helpful though to figure out a way um for democrats to figure out a way not to waste time on voters who who as Walsh said earlier only care about their tenuous relationship to power and white privilege um so yeah no i agree right? with that yeah the focus focus on getting the base out give the base something to fight for Give grassroots folks something to fight for. Give young people something to fight for. Give young women, give young women of color something to fight for. Give the LGBTQ community something to fight for and engage in our fights instead of being afraid to because of some so-called fucking culture war. I am not a culture war. I am a human being. Right. And I deserve equal rights. And so does everyone on this panel. And we should stop. Uh, Maybe not Brian and Cliff, but. That's the subject. Well, 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 you know, well, hey, I'm a Jew. All right. Come on. Oh, you had some bad times here. I'm, I'm, I'm very serious about this. We, we keep yeah. seeing framing from national journalists that depict our humanity, the basis of our humanity, as a valid argument for debate. And, folks, that is incredibly exactly. fucked up. And I am so yeah. tired of it. I am so yeah. tired of trans kids all around the country in schools being referred to in mass as a culture war. That is ridiculous. It is unacceptable. And we need to call out every fucking reporter who accepts that framing. It is deeply irresponsible and dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. I'm sorry, Mary. You know, I've never heard it said that way, even though it's so blunt, honest, direct, and eloquent. And I just feel like it's something that you just gave me a gift where, you know, I can use that, where you said, like, I'm not a culture where I'm a human being. Like, that's, and Democrats, and I mean, yes, number one. And number two, I think Democrats and the rest of us need to acknowledge that, that this is not just talking points or politics. You know, these are human beings with lives at stake. But so we I just want to say that. Uh, we are I appreciate all that. 
Yeah, hang on a second, Brian, because I want to apologize because I shouldn't have joked. I wasn't joking about Charlie's point, but it was not the right time to be funny. Or oh, I I didn't even notice. No, well, because it wasn't that funny. Um, but it but it is an incredibly serious point, and it's it's related a lot to um, many of the issues we've seen through the years, where the right um, they don't have any policy proposals that help the American people. They literally have nothing to run on. So they have to make shit up. And they always do this at the expense of marginalized communities. And very often the Democrats, for reasons I'm not entirely sure I understand, let them set the agenda, let them co-opt language in a way that's also dangerous and basically keep saying to their base, you know, now is really not the time to make waves. You know, we need to go with the straight white guy, old white guy, or, um, you know, we'll, we'll deal with voting rights next cycle or what have you. And, and the, the can keeps getting kicked down the road. And really though, what we're talking about is what you just said, Charlotte, we're talking about asking human beings to accept with, you know, to accept quietly um, the postponement of their full humanity, which is not what is supposed to happen in this country, um, theoretically, because obviously it's happened for centuries now. Uh, It's just that the targets keep changing. Um, Yes, Brian, it's kind of hard to take you seriously. Please take those (laughs) off. And also, by the I way, you might get, you're going to get sued for copyright or whatever uh, <laughs> trademark. I, I no, I know. Reddy's a great guy. Sweetheart. Uh, look, I, all, all I want to say is that why well, you said you you were going to make white people or white women angry. You didn't mean to oh, do wait, it. Oh, wait, that was, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to pull back the curtain. That was Waj's fault because yeah. he told well, you that you had to put yes, the Yes, he told me ahead of where I'm. Okay. And then and Danielle said, yeah, you do want to make white people angry. Look, I want to make everybody angry. I'm tired of this mm-hmm. shit. Basically, look, it, it boils down, are human beings incomprehensible to other humans? And the fact of the matter is, if you listen to uh, politicians who try to uh, to push each one into a different corner, we are. But that's not the fact. That's not the case. I've spent the last month off and on eating, traveling, talking to voters and traveling with politicians, including Jamie Raskin, who is all over the country. And I got news for you. I think the the Democrats may indeed, I, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I think they may hold on to the House because I think there is a, a lot of people out there. There are a large number of people out there who are going to vote. And at the end of the day, we all know what the issues are. We The, the issues are well-defined. The, the whole thing is getting out to vote. And if you're going to, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And mm-hmm. the, uh, the Supreme Court is going to take it away. And Republican uh, lawmakers, if they're allowed to stay in office, will will take it away, and they are playing upon fear. And the only thing you have in your arsenal is to get your ass out and fucking vote. And that's what it, it boils down to. The issues are defined. At the end of the day, who do you want? In, now, you may argue that Donald Trump is is a piece of crap, and I'm with you. And then you may argue that uh, th- that uh, Biden is barely better than him, and it's a low bar to cross, and I'm with you with all that. Screw all that nonsense. At the end of the day, just vote. 
Get out if there are more Democrats and more people who respond to human rights and respond to treating people decently than than Republicans. And in fact, there are Republicans, and I've spoken with them, who who despise Democrats, right? And they say, well, but they here's what they say. They hate me. I, I want to vote Republican because uh, black people hate me, brown people hate me, and that's not the case. What it is is no one's listening to anyone anymore, and there are poor white people who own – and it was Lyndon Johnson who said make a poor white person feel they're better than a poor black person, and you'll get their vote every time. But what I've seen from poor white people is they're sick of it too. They just want to know that they're part of the party. You'll get them. Get out and vote. If there's anything that should be said but in five weeks in the run-up to this election is get your ass out. I can't say it enough. And vote. There are more votes on the on the Democratic side and on the side of decency than there are on the side of Josh Hawley, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene, and all those, and Lauren Boebert, and Mitch McConnell, and, and Jim, you know, a bend over Jordan, all those assholes that basically should be put in a rubber room for the rest of their life, wearing short pants, sucking soda through a straw, and crying into the wind. Screw them. Phone them the fuck out, and then you won't have this problem. Sorry, there's my rant. You That's know, an image. I, <laughs> so I'll probably wanna, piss everybody off with that, but just vote. <laughs> I want to say something here because I think that it, it it it's actually really important, which is that we continually make the assumption that everyone understands what is at stake because mm-hmm. we make our lives and our jobs about trying to explain to people what is at stake. The reality is, and I want to go back to what Charlotte had said earlier uh, about our humanity and and the the point of fascism and authoritarianism and the point of what Republicans are doing and the point of white supremacy is to dehumanize people who do exactly. not look like them, who do not love like them, who do not show up like them. Mm-hmm. And so when we have conversations and all we do is talk about statistics, when we talk about, oh, you know, trans kids as, a, as an issue or the don't say gay bill as opposed to explain the narrative and do the hard work of actual storytelling, which is to say, to put actual people in the places of these larger culture wars, like we missed the fucking point, right? Because all we're doing is saying that we can go back and forth and volley our humanity with these people with trying to throw statistics at them. And I'm like, no, I actually want to tell the stories of the kids that are afraid to go to school or the kids that were sitting down with their parents and asking them, you know, with same sex parents and saying, So if they take away your marriage, does that mean that we're not a family? And does that mean that the government can take us away? And there are people right now who are having to figure out the response to those questions that they don't really have the fucking answer to because they can't tell their kids, no, 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 it'll be okay because they don't fucking know. So like my point here is that we can't continue to say to ourselves that everyone knows what is at stake because it is those people that are most marginalized who are the ones that know what's at stake because our lives and our livelihood and our humanity has always been up for debate and up for vote. So it is up for those people who have never up until now that now 
Roe v. Wade has been overturned, that white women want to open up their eyes and be like, oh my God, you mean something can happen to me too? Yes, something can fucking happen to you. And the men that you have been propping up your entire lives are not going to sit around and be there to protect you. Ain't everybody flying around to all of these states to go get abortions because everybody don't have that kind of fucking money. So like the reality here is I am going to call white people out. I call white women out all the fucking time because I'm tired of the conversation. You want to waste energy telling me not all white people, when you should be spending your energy going to organize your own instead of telling me what it is that I need to do in order to make you fucking feel better. Like, that's the reality of where we are. And Can that's why people need to wake up. Can I yeah. jump in Go for one second? Hang on, hang on one second, Cliff. Ooh. I just want to just reiterate, anybody, as, as Daniel just said, who wastes our time saying not all men, not all white people really need to fuck off. I mean, this is serious. It is a it is a dodge. It is. And I think it's also an admission. If you say that you're telling me something about yourself that you don't want me to know, but that I now know. So, again, I think part of part of the, we're in a similar place to place we we're in before the 2020 election. There are lots of people we need not to waste our time on. Uh, yes. Cliff, go ahead. I was going to say, look, I mean, even what we've seen in the Trump years and I mean, you can keep taking it back to earlier iterations of Republicans. You know, it feels like the first salvo was with Reagan. And uh, hey, look, there's no never Trumpers here to, to, to argue with me. Um, and the thing is, is that, you know, th they push this animization, this sort of rugged individuality, this radicalization of people. You can do whatever you want. You shouldn't feel any obligation to anybody else, because if they can do that, it is much easier than to take the stereotypes of, of black people, Jewish people, Indian people, LGBTQ community, and, and make people only care about themselves and not care about anybody else. Uh, and so now they're not just, oh, I only care about my taxes. I don't give a shit about climate change either. I don't care about, I mean, that only affects you. COVID, huh, that only affects you. I don't, I don't worry about that. And this has been a long-term project. I mean, probably even going Goldwater back to when he, he sort of said a lot of these things. But it sort of Reagan really kind of pushed it. And Trump was almost his second iteration, or you could call Gingrich that, and maybe Trump the third one. And so we get to this point where right now, if we can make the, 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 the thing is, is that talking about people as human beings, doing what Danielle, doing what I think everybody here has said, humanizing people, right? I'm not your culture. Or I'm not, not only are you going to reach more people, again, fuck the people you'll never reach. There are a lot of people out there. They're not these sort of moderate swing voters. They're people that don't pay close attention, have hard lives, are working hard, are doing things. And sometimes they're just not sure about everything. And we're not getting the message to them. We're not reaching out to them and, and making and humanizing. And I know it shouldn't have to be done, but our media fucking sucks. So it does have to be done where we're not humanizing people, making them realize, you know, the person next to you is a human being. They may look different. They may love different and, you know, like I saw it here, I mean, talk about it in Cincinnati, where we've got a part Indian, part Tibetan mayor, Aftab Puraval, who went door to door. And there were so many stories of people that hated him before they even talked to him. And by the time they were done talking to him, granted, he has some charisma, or whatever. But by the time they're done talking to him, they're like, he's he's like me. He's worried about things like me. He's, and so when we can when we do that and we can we, we fight for people's humanity as part of our public good as we're in this together, that there's a common good is what democracy was based on. I mean, there's such a narrative there about that us all coming together, that is the vision. That is what this is, democracy, and what our, our country is supposed to be about. We haven't lived up to it. 
But what we can now, and I think, so it's not, so the last thing I'll say is this sort of shit where you're like, well, we got to be moderate to reach the swing voters. No, you can turn people out in the same way you can reach people who aren't sure they're going to vote for, which is by talking about the importance and humanity of people in this democracy together who care about each other and are fighting about these key issues. You do that. Not only will you win more white voters and, okay, let's say white Christian straight voters. Look, you know, like 25 percent of Jews still vote Republican, which is insane to me. Thirty five percent of the Latino community still votes Republican, which is insane to me. Twenty percent of the LGBTQ community still votes Republican, which is insane to me. Even groups there, there's got to be swing voters and people like, well, I'm not sure. Talk to everybody. Talk about our common humanity and, and, and have that be the narrative under which we speak about issues like choice, like the fact that we're all fucking human beings and we're working hard and we're trying to, you know, to just do a little bit better for our families. Yeah. And while while I'm going to go to you, I just um, want to frame this uh, in this way. As I said, it's figuring out who to ignore and it's understanding that there is no unifying with certain people. Uh, In fact, I think one of the purposes of liberal democracy is to contain uh, the people who have been empowered by the Republican Party over the last at least six years, but certainly, especially in the last six years, right? And <clears throat> understand that at least 25% of the country uh, are people with whom we cannot make common cause, who will never uh, give a shit about the humanity of people who are different from them. And, um, you know, understand that the the psychology of these people very often is that it isn't that they wanted to, to do better than other people. All they care about is that other people do worse if, as long as it's the right people. Yep. Anyway, watch, go ahead. You know, going back to a point that you mentioned, you know, why Democrats kind of seed the ground. And I think if we have to be honest about it, you have to hit the nail on the head. Why, why do Republicans get away with it? Every midterm, every election around this time, if you've noticed, Republicans double down on crime, national security, immigration. Yep. All right. And they always portray Democrats as being weak. What Democratic candidates do, especially white Democratic candidates, Bill Clinton did this in order to court this, the voter that Cliff was talking about. They then double down and say, we're even tougher on crime. Mm -hmm. We're going to smear sister soldier. You know, a black woman, easy pinata. That's an old head reference for those of you who remember. Clinton came out because they said, whoa, whoa, he likes the blacks too much. He was on the Arsenio with the saxophone. And Clinton's like, "Uh, uh, sister soldier, how dare you? You rap and you're so dangerous. Sister soldier's like, what? And now, thankfully, you know, karma is good. Sister soldier's killing it, being a writer, you know, writing fictional stories and a best-selling writer. But it happens. Joe Biden did it, right, with the crime bill. And so... You need to have Democrats finally stand up proactively, finally, in my opinion, on immigration, crime and national security. You need to have a unified, bold voice where you lead with progressive values and say, whatever happens, we're throwing the gauntlet down. We're going to take the mantle on this and we're going to attack Republicans. You guys talk about crime. You're backing a criminal president who stole thousands of documents. Uh, from the friggin' White House. You're talking about a guy who's twice impeached. You're talking about Ron DeSantis, who probably broke laws, kidnapping, you know, migrants. You're talking about Jim Jordan. You're talking about Matt Gates. And by the way, immigrants, going back to Charlotte's point, 
are human beings. This is a country of immigrants. People come here for a better life. These folks are just looking for a better deal, just like the Irish and the Italians. You do not hear this message, ladies and gentlemen. What happens instead, Republicans realize it's a weak spot for Democrats. We're going to hit them for being weak on crime and immigration. Democrats get terrified. They're like, oh, no, Chuck and Cliff drinking real coffee in the Rust Belt uh, are going to – we we can't sit there and be like, oh, we like the darkies and the, and the immigrants. So instead of leading with these values, they get terrified. And what happens? They make themselves vulnerable. It happens again and again and again, Mary. And you know, we mentioned this, I think, a couple of weeks ago on your podcast. Um, you know, there was, I was on a great podcast called In the Thick, uh, co-hosted by Julio Ricardo Varela and uh, Maria Hinojosa, OG uh, journalist. Mm-hmm. And they thought with Biden's election, they're like, oh, maybe now the Democrats will, will, will do something on immigration. And I'm like, nope, they're going to punt it because they always punt it, just like they're punt- punting on the LGBTQ issue, right? Yep. They punt it precisely for the theme that we said is because they're so terrified that this white voter or the moderate voter will not go along with them. Same thing they said, guys, with abortion. Until the base said, F you, we want passion. Once the base said it, and once you got some messengers like AOC, Mallory McMurrow, Fetterman, I'm just giving you some examples, Gavin yeah. Newsom, people are like, oh, thank you for connecting the dots. Thank you for expressing our values. Thank you for showing the passion. And you won over folks. If you don't tell the story, you can't blame people for not knowing the story. Yes. And so this is where I think Democrats have an opportunity. They're going to fail this midterms like they, like they already have. And this is why, if you see the shift, Mary, of why like the, the polls have turned from August, it's it's regular. It always tightens, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's tightened around this issue, if you've noticed. Um, it's going to keep happening again and again and again until we decide that, say, you know what? We're not going to win over those folks. We don't care. These are our values. We're going to be bold about it. We're going to craft a message. Right. We're going to win people over. Multicultural coalition, humanity. Yeah. And we're going to be bold about it. And we're going to win. And I think you're going to get enough people where it will win over those independents, those people on the side, and galvanize the base. I had to say that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Danielle has to leave in a couple minutes, so I just want to see if you have any last words. Danielle. Yeah, just the, the thing that I would, would add on to, to what Waj is saying, but I will say this because I'm more apocalyptic than everyone else, um, which is the <laughs> fact that like we're not getting another bite at this apple after midterms like the midterm elections like this is it and to brian's point about vote 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 you know this is honestly this is it like the the reality is that you know the slate of fascists that are being run by the republican party you know from the state local all the way up to the senate like they they have their judges in place they have their election deniers in place. And if you don't understand, like America will exist, but the America that you right. have come to understand and learn uh, and, and pledge allegiance to is no longer going to exist. So, you know, folks, if if you have a voting plan, great. But go organize and get with every single person from your family, from your friends, your colleagues, the kids that are on the block that just turned 18, like whoever it is and wherever you are, let's not just take the fact that you're in a blue state or a blue area, because if you notice what the Supreme Court is doing to blue cities and blue states and overturning their gun restriction laws and overturning a whole lot of things that allow us to be safe and and protected in dense areas, this is the last election. And I say, and it is not hyperbolic to say so. It is the last free and fair election is this midterm election. We do not have another bite at the apple here. We're not getting another chance. So yep. vote. Absolutely. Thanks, Danielle. See you next week, hopefully. Hi, Danielle. 
Thank yeah, and that. I mean, we could say the same thing um, about climate change, right? We ignore it. And yes, the planet will still exist. In fact, the planet will probably be much better off, but we won't. <laughs> so we ignore the crisis democracy is in right now. And yes, America will still exist, but not. Well, it's again, it's never been a democracy, so it's always unwieldy to have this conversation. But the the promise that this country has held will be gone completely. And we all we've seen that the danger well i mean donald is just like a you know the poster child for what happens when you don't hold a criminal accountable for his crimes ever um but we're seeing at at the uh judicial level the danger of allowing corrupt people to game the system um when you know <laughs> there's one judge who yeah. is preventing anything from going forward at the great risk of national security. I'm talking about Eileen Cannon. Uh, yes, Brian, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just going to say I'm probably more apocalyptic than even Danielle was. I not only do I, we're going to all try to out apocalyptic. Well, each other. Now. I mean, it depends I what we're talking about. I, say that I think ahead. the signs, the tea leaves are there that the United States may break into different countries eventually if we don't find common ground it there, should there have been votes see I, I disagree i don't think it should well, I think no I, there is a united i don't that hang on let me just hang on one second hang on one second i i don't mean it should like that's that's something to be desired i mean it's i've been thinking increasingly that it's just untenable because Current, yes. regionally we're so different. The danger, of course, is that there are people who will suffer even worse than they're suffering now if, you know, yeah. the American South well, splits off and becomes yet, I, a, yet another it's, closed It's fascist. also, can I just say in two seconds, it's not as clear cut as it used to be. I'll go right back to you, Brian. And you know yeah. this, Brian, because you're from Kentucky. And, and the difference now isn't just North and South. Where I am in Cincinnati, we joke mm -hmm. about the Midwest. We voted with the, the city of Cincinnati and even my county voted 70 percent to 80 percent for Biden. It's just if you go an hour in that direction. So you can't just have the South cut off. It's rural versus in a case. Back to Brian. <laughs> well, I was going to say that I, I, I agree with you, Mary, that I don't think it's and, and Cliff. It's not a regional thing. But here's where it is for me, having just returned from overseas and seeing the future, what is one potential future for the U.S., which is. When you have oligarchs and rich politicians, again, I'll quote the fact that there's no, you know, we're worried about no water and no uh, lights and gas after a hurricane for 10 days. In two years, they haven't had it in Beirut, in, in Lebanon. And while it is one of the poorest nations on the planet, 40% of the people living below the poverty level, four of the 10 richest people in the Middle East, and this takes into account you know, states that have a lot of oil and Lebanon isn't one of them. Four of the 10 richest people are politicians in Lebanon. Yeah. That's where mm -hmm. we're, that's what we're facing here. So the division here is between, is among those that have and have not. And it's more of a division between rural and, and urban is, is, but what I do see, and look, I, I, I know, it, it's real easy to get angry, and trust me, I get angry, uh, angrier than anyone sometimes at it. But we have to 
understand and see across the aisle as to what other people's issues are, even the people that we don't like and disagree with, because there is some commonality. And if we're going to hold the United States together and not be as apocalyptic as I as I fear that we will be, I think at some point in time we have to recognize everyone's humanity. I, I know that's a pie in the sky thing, but if if we don't, then we're doomed. And that's why I, I, I agree that this particular midterm election is without a doubt the greatest inflection point in, in, in my lifetime. And if if you just get out and vote, I stress it again and again and again, and listen to your neighbor, get out and vote. And there are more registered Democrats than Republicans. Vote and put the bastards in the dirt. Yeah. And and I, I want to shift, of course, I want to shift talk topics in a second, but Charlotte, I want to go to you because, um, you know, it, on the one hand, it heartens me that you do seem more hopeful about November than you have in the past. Um, and I guess maybe it's my turn this week to be, be feeling dark. I'm feeling very dark. I, and I'm not, I'm not worried. I mean, of course I'm worried about November, but I'm not, I'm not cynical. I'm not, I haven't given up, but I'm, it's more, um, the atmosphere in which we're living right now. You know, um, I think that we acknowledge people's humanity uh, when we say, yeah, you hate me. You don't want me to exist or have rights, but I want you to have health care. I want I want the federal government to take care of your state when a natural disaster strikes. I want to make sure that your kids don't get slaughtered in schools, et cetera, et cetera. I think we acknowledge their humanity all the time as they try to uh, eradicate ours. And yet, um, you know, then we've got people like people with real power, like Ron DeSantis, who is constantly trying to uh, take away marginalized the rights of marginalized people and endangering them uh, in danger, literally endangering their lives and um, kidnapping human beings, as Waj said earlier, and basically not even protecting. And I guess, you know, some people like that shit, but he's also not doing his job to protect the people of his state from a hurricane you know, uh, he voted against aid for Sandy, but, you know, I guess was willing to take money for Florida, which is totally cool. But Rubio didn't bother to show up for the vote. And Rick Scott, the other senator from Florida, voted against aid for his own state, as did every right. single Republican congressperson. What, what the was the county where he refused is, to call an emergency? I don't remember also, the name of it, but like it hundreds of people might be dead. Some, because yeah, I mean. But I don't want to cut off Charlotte. I just meant like that too, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, he could have. They, they. The beautiful thing about hurricanes is that you know they're coming well ahead of time, and you can usually be pretty uh, accurate about how serious they're going to be. We knew, he knew. So, Charlotte, I, I mean, do make of that what you will. It wasn't exactly a question. It was more just a kind of state of play that I'm, I'm, I'm having a really hard time grappling with. Yeah, I, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately over the last two weeks and with this resurgence of democratic support. I, I'm very optimistic about next month. I am. I think that we will increase our majority in the Senate, and I think we stand a damn good chance of, of keeping the House. But it, it feels like there's something missing lately. 
And I feel that it, it's the sense of, I guess, joy or hope for the future. Yeah. I, I feel like fear is what's driving us to the polls right now. And that, that is a motivator. And, and often yeah. it's a life-saving motivator. It's but I remember what it was like. Right. I, me- I remember what it was like to go to the, to, to the ballot box because I was hopeful about the future. I wanted to see something materialize with my vote. Yeah. And right now it just seems like we're trying to save our own ass, like save our asses basically. That's why we're going to the ballot well, that's box all the time. <laughs> and so, well, and, and well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think yeah. it would be really smart for the democratic party to get its shit together and really lean into the joy of what could be in our future. You know, the, the kind of place where we don't have first line workers, whether they be medical or on the supply chain or grocery stores or whatever, you know, we don't have these folks who are making less than 20 bucks an hour living in poverty while they're saving our asses through a pandemic. We need to offer some kind of future that gives people, gets people excited. Does anyone feel excited about the future right now? No, no, no one feels Even, excited about the future. No, no and I'm, I'm optimistic like you. And no. I, let me finish this. I really think that President no. Biden would be very, very smart to lean into uh, some kind of, you know, look at every fucking thing we did in the last two yes. years. Give us more power. I, not to the extent that the Democrats should. That's not the, to the, wait, Brian, Brian. Okay, I'm sorry, but to your point, finish. you're right. I'm not finished. I'm not finished, okay. sir. Let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. I think that President Biden needs to adopt some kind of like Reagan-esque morning in America message. I really do. I think that is the key here. People are starving for hope and excitement. That's where President Biden and the Democratic Party needs to put their energy. And that's what, with that, I'm done. Yeah. Well, I think um, that's fucking brilliant, I just need to say, because I, I, I think that has to be the positive side of the also us pointing out on the negative side of the stuff the that they're going to do. Plane. The problem in the White uh, House. Wait, you know, Brian. The problem in the White Cliff, House. Cliff, are you done talking? Yeah, yeah, I'm done now. I'm okay. sorry, but that's all of this is great ideas. I love them. I think they're fantastic, Charlotte. That's probably the nicest idea, greatest idea I've heard in a long time. Sell it to Ron Klain because he's the one that's keeping Biden uh, from speaking more often. He's the one that that runs the show when it comes to how the White House communicates and the Democrats communicate. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the biggest problem in the White House. Well, all we can do here, Brian, is say what we think should happen. Like right. I can't, you know, yeah. I can't promise I you I can kidnap uh, Ron Plain and make him just understand. Get him fired. I'm just, I'm just I saying just what be, Charlotte was I, saying was perfect. I'm sorry, I thought. No, yeah. go ahead, Charlotte. No, please, go ahead, Charlotte. No, I just wanted to say really quickly, Brian. I, I totally respect your your political takes and analysis and whatnot. But I do want to point out, I adore Ron Plain. I think he's a wonderful human being. I think he's done an extraordinary job in the White House over the past years. And I just want to be clear about that. That's all. I appreciate all. So, that. I disagree. <laughs> I think, well, I'll I just think say, I don't know who the problem is. I just know that there, there's a problem. Some, there's, yeah. I, I don't know that much. And I know Ron a little bit and I've got nothing against Ron. I, I'm just simply saying whoever it is, who's because you're seeing Gavin Newsom do it. You saw Eric Swalwell get up with Alan Omar and do mm-hmm. it. And join, like, I, I am starting to feel better about Democrats preactively Proactively, proactively stepping forward and responding when we need to, and stopping this crap where we just refuse to to message. But I haven't seen and even Biden with the semi-fascism. But I haven't seen enough of it. I still have some optimism, though. I'm going to say that. I mean, yeah, yeah, I do too. Watch, I'm going to get to one second. Um, I think one of the critical reasons that what Charlotte's saying is so important and um, urgent is that it 
and I think one of the reasons I'm having such a tough time lately is it really feels like we're living through the end of history. And that's a, that's, that's a tough thing to live with on a day-to-day basis, especially when you have to pay attention and the Democrats absolutely need something to counter that feeling. Uh, it, it, it's not, it is, it's not enough to talk about your accomplishments. You have to talk about what they mean for our future. As Charlotte said, it's so like, because we have to pull ourselves out of this morass that we, I mean, think about all of the horrible things that have happened the last four, five, six years. Okay. It's overwhelming. People need not, not the kind of glib hope, but real hope to um, overcome the really debilitating things that, that, that we've, we've had to experience uh, to, to motivate us to get out there and vote because the only hope for our future, for our children's future is the democratic party at this point. Um, So uh, Waj, make of that what you will, but I also do think that we should end on a a slightly less grim note. You brought up uh, the Herschel Walker, Christian Walker. God knows what the fuck's going on there, but uh, it's sort of fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I was saying is, you know, when people don't have hope, you need to have faith uh, and you need to have faith in something. And and I, I think it's the human beings, the way we operate is you need a hopeful narrative, something to to hang your hat on. And, and, and right now you need something tangible. Right. And it, I hate to quote Churchill because he was racist, but it's, it reminds me of it, it <laughs> yeah, reminds wow. me of World War Two. Right. Where it's survival is victory right now. You like yeah. survival itself is victory. But even that is not enough. Even the bleakest of times, you need to rally people to imagine a better future. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, I'm a cautious optimist. I guess I will I will be the one who ends on the optimistic note is because I have three kids, yeah. and I refuse as a father to say, well, I tried my best, but your 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 inheritance is that you'll be really good victims. Learn how to swim, <laughs> and and we tried our best. I mean, no, of course not. Like, you know, we I brought them into this world and I want them to have the best opportunities possible to be a hero of this American story, especially yeah. as brown skinned kids. So we work and we fight like previous generations have, like our parents have. You know, every generation has had their unique challenges, which is not to say, Mary, that we can't acknowledge the immense challenges that we're facing right now. Climate right. change, rise of fascism, white supremacy, taking away women's rights, a freaking ongoing pandemic that has killed a thousand people, right? So I think a, a balance between acknowledging the challenges, acknowledging people's fear, pal- you know, palatable fear, uh, the fact that people feel like the ground is shifting b- beneath them, there, there's nothing holding them afloat, and then also giving them that hopeful narrative and giving them that shared humanity where we're in this together. And the only way out is together and like through. That's the only way out. The only way out of the forest is through the forest. And so I feel like in that particular, in this that particular narrative, uh, gives people hope while also acknowledging the stark, bleak reality that they're facing, which means that they're not being gaslit. Right. Which goes back to your mer- point, Mary, that it does not feel like a glib Hallmark card uh, that we're just like giving them right now. You know, it, yeah. you empathize with their pain and their suffering, but agreeing with what Charlotte says, you have to give them a little bit more. It's not enough just simply say, uh, "Do you want to float or do you want to drown?" People are like, well, if you're giving me two choices, I'll choose to float. But where am I going to float to? That's the thing is like, where am I floating to? Where am I swimming to? 
And that's where I think the rest of us have to come in, check our cynicism and pessimism yeah. and, and articulate. This is why fiction is important, ladies and gentlemen. This is why not everyone should do STEM. This is why we need writers to imagine the future that we want our children to inhabit. And then the final thing I'll say about the Christian Herschel Walker, here's a test. If you guys aren't following right now, Christian Walker yesterday came out, blasted his father, Herschel Walker, because there was a Daily Beast piece that that uh, revealed with all the receipts that Herschel Walker, the pro-life Christian nationalist, paid for his mistress's abortion in 2009. And Republicans, particularly today, said, nobody's perfect. And yeah. Christian Walker, his son, who is a MAGA-supporting gay black man, I, I'm not, I didn't make that up, uh, you got to watch some of those TikToks. They're insane. Yeah, don't today watch came them. out and said, and, and said something very, you know, last night came out today with a video and last night said that we've had to move six times in six years because of Herschel Walker's violent tendencies towards me and my mom. I'm sick and tired of it. And my prediction was that MAGA will turn on him just like that yep. and weaponize his blackness and gayness. Mm -hmm. And he doubled down today just about 20 minutes ago with a video my prediction with the cynicism of the Republican Party is that they're going to use him as an unbrainwashed Manchurian candidate, which might be the best cultural pop culture reference I've made because <laughs> Herschel Walker is just a vehicle, a mouthpiece. And like oh, yeah. I said, Eric Erickson all of a sudden said, well, nobody's perfect. But yep. I do think, and this is where the hope comes in, that enough people in Georgia, just a sliver, will yep. see this and go, this is disgusting. I'm going to sit this out or I'm going to go for Warnock. I'm, I'm not going to vote for this guy. And this is where when we mobilize the vote, I think this might be enough, Mary. This mm -hmm. might be enough, along with some other things, to give Warnock the edge. And that's my hopeful I would note. say so. Yeah, and I'll say quickly, I think Oz, too. I think it's important yeah. to point out with the puppies thing. He yeah. was gaining in polls towards Fetterman. Yeah. And I think this is going to, I mean, I'm sorry. Well, you're right. Killing puppies, doing fucking experiments. Unpopular. So, okay. Well, I mean, listen, I will say that Herschel Walker is a walking poster child for the need to review the NFL concussion protocols. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, also, I mean, not just him, but even people like Donald, uh, we need to figure out like why nobody gives a shit about these people. Like why anybody thought it was a good idea for Herschel Walker to put himself into this position, into running for Senate, a position for which he's wholly unfit. And, uh, you know, he's just a disaster. And, um, Watch, you're completely right that he is absolutely just there to give Mitch McConnell another vote. Um, mm -hmm. It's a slight, it's a, it's a different issue in Georgia. We're talking about, you know, people, how, how much are people willing to put up with to get a Republican in office? And in, in Pennsylvania, I do, I do think Fetterman's health issues uh, are playing a factor. I do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, killing puppies should, uh, Trump uh, recovering from a stroke. One would one would think, especially since the guy killing the puppies is is from New Jersey. Yeah, I just keep thinking, don't um, mess with a with a Zohan. Here are these puppies. I'm going to kill them. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it, yeah. We we live in 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 quite interesting times, as the Chinese proverb uh, or curse would would say um so i i'm i'm trying to think if i should end on the 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 news that, that charlotte just shared with us charlotte tell people what you just uh well the new york times is reporting that musk and twitter reached a deal to buy the company at the original price of 44 billion so it looks like elon musk is going to own twitter 
Okay. The only thing I'm going to say about that is do not leave Twitter. Don't leave Twitter just because, I mean, anybody who owns these companies, they might be worse or better, but none of them is good. So we, I don't think this solution and Democrats always seem to do this. The solution is not to seed ground. Yeah. Now I do want to clarify really quickly, and I apologize sure. for this. No. Musk has proposed the price, but Twitter is basically obligated to accept at this point because the whole legal issue was over this. This. Yeah. It's not. It's not like they haven't signed a paper yet. But right. It's going to happen now, and, and, and Musk could always back out. These, still, but it's Musk. These things I mean, take a very long time. Absolutely, and this ain't. That's what happened last time. I mean, this announcement was made that he was buying Twitter, and like billions of people fled and then nothing happened and then it wasn't happening. So it may play out the same way, but even if he does buy it, I, we can't, we've got to no. stop. Where are we going to go? I mean, well, we, you, we, know. you said it right, Mary, we can't seed every you know piece of ground over we time. We just, we can't, there's too many journalists. There's too much mainstream opinion that's influenced on Twitter. Like we have to, that's I mean, it's not like it's truth social or some shit. It's Twitter. We have to, stay there it's the front line of disinformation we got to fight back we can't just yeah. run away and is musk worse than mark zuckerberg i i don't think so <laughs> i mean he <laughs> may be it. as bad but he's not worse yeah, uh brian is that point. is that good news well we we uh the james madison project and i uh sued the uh national archives to get a freedom of information request on the uh stuff that was seized at mar-a-lago and we are now probably going to have to proceed to trial. They've said that they've released some of it, but that they can't release other parts of it because guess what? Donald Trump didn't give him permission. So oh. it's not not the best of news, but we did get some of the information. They, uh, NARA received more than 50 FOIA requests uh, and has released information on 15 boxes <clears throat> of material, uh, 309 pages that they have forwarded to us, and there are 1,300 pages of emails that emails, emails, 1,303 pages of emails that they have not yet released. Okay. Wow. Well, listen, that, we've, we've got to wrap up, but um, I think that the, the, the hope is that you'll get more. But the moral of that story is keep fighting. That's right. Keep fighting. Well, we sued them. So, yeah. Leave we'll no fight. territory and, um, you know, pressure works. And... Again, everybody, vote. Get everybody you know to vote. And keep having conversations. Keep watching our show. Keep watching everybody else's show. Keep reading everybody's stuff. Everybody on this, um, every Nerd Avenger is incredibly prolific and brilliant. And they're going to guide us to a better future where we will realize the potential of this country, but it's going to take work and it's going to take paying attention and it's going to take just persistence. Um, so, and you know, yeah, we all have a bad day. I'm, I'm having a tough time myself, but the, as long as there's a fight, there's hope. So, 
Thank you so much to Jen Taub, who did not last long today. I hope she's feeling better. Daniel Moody, Waj Ali, Brian Karam, Cliff Schechter, Charlotte Clymer. Thank you all so much. Love you, Mary. I love you guys. And thank I will you so much. See you next week. Bye. Thanks, guys. Take care. So we didn't really talk about Vladimir Putin too much today, but uh, he's a menace and he needs to be stopped. So there you go. Um, thank you for joining Mary Trump show strategy session with a fair number of nerd adventures today. It was good to see everybody. Uh, we will be back, of course, next Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's at youtube.com slash Politicon. And join me this Thursday for a regular show. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Also at youtube.com slash Politicon. I just want to remind everybody before I forget that for the very, very, very first time, uh, the Mary Trump show will be live on stage in Los Angeles at... what is it called? Dynasty. I forgot for a second. It's called Dynasty Typewriter. Um, and tickets are on sale. So go check that out. We'll have the link in the show notes. Um, anyway, back to the Politicon YouTube page. Uh, while you're on Politicon's YouTube page, please subscribe. Doesn't cost anything. Like the episode. Leave a comment if you want. Ring the bell. That way you'll be sure to uh, get alerted every time a new video drops could be an episode it could be a live stream uh i've heard a rumor that the january 6th committee will hold its next hearing on either october 13th or 14th we will of course be bringing that to you um we also have our emergency episodes uh when necessary Um, unfortunately they seem to be necessary more than one would like uh, in a stable democracy. Oh, wait, we're not a stable democracy. Uh, so, you know, that's why we're trying to get, keep you guys up with everything. And of course, I've got my shorter videos coming out once in a while. Um, I'm going to get more consistent with those. And uh, yes, you can listen to this in podcast form on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, please give the show a five-star review because one, uh, I'll be very grateful to you for that. And two, it does help other people find the show. Uh, which is one of our goals. So thank you again to the Nerd Avengers and thanks to all of you for being here, for your um, sticking with us, for your comments. And we will see you Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.